This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Um, so, today we're going to talk about prayer. Our main objective, or if you were to title this, would really just be, Why Should I Pray?, Uh, We're going to get to this understanding with three objectives that I have. So, what is prayer? Why is it necessary? And I'll give some examples. And last, how to perfect a personal prayer life. So, I'm trying to give time to write. (laughs) So, prayer is our intentional communication with God. It's a sincere seeking after God. It's the key to unlocking His power into our lives. And prayer is the appointed means of us attaining what it is that we need. So we're going to go to Matthew 7, and we're going to start in verse 7. And I'll say that again because that's important. Prayer is the appointed means of obtaining what we need. When they're there, say like, amen, or thumbs up. All right. So, starting in verse 7. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? And so through this, we're going to look at uh, three kind of components of prayer that are mentioned here. So first, we're going to talk about ask. When you're asking in prayer, you're making your wants, your your burdens, made known to God. And you're coming to him for your support and also for your supply. That means you know that he has it. Um, Also, asking, he knows that we need things. He knows exactly what we need. But we still have to ask because asking is our form of showing dependence. I'm not relying on myself. I'm relying on God for all that it is that I need for my supply. So seeking, I really love that it says to seek. Seeking is our pursuit of the answer to our prayer. So when you're, seek, you're, when you're seeking, you're searching for like something that you lost. I lose things all the time. I lose my keys all the time. And I can't just scan and say, oh, well, they're not in here. I'm looking under couch cushions. I'm retracing my steps. Where are my keys? I need my keys. And so that's the same thing that we do when we're seeking God for what the answer is to our prayer. Uh, we have to search the word. God gives knowledge and understanding to those who search the scriptures for him. And so that also includes coming to church. I cannot explain how many times I have asked the Lord something, and he tells me to it from whoever is standing right here. And he says what the answer is. And so, But you have to be seeking for that. That's why... Prayer is communication with God, not to God. When you're talking to someone, it's just you. But when you're talking with someone, there's an exchange there. And so God has given us all the answers in his word. So I have to search the word and go where I can hear the word for my answer. And also knocking. 
Knocking, I thought of this as those uh, people who come to your door and they want to sell you something. They come and they knock on your door and you're like, ugh, I'm not going to answer the door. And then they wait and then they knock again. And then if you don't answer, whenever their rotation is, they'll come back the next day or the next week. And our knocking and prayers are persistent. It's, I need this, God. (laughs) And so, it's your persistence in prayer. It's the strength of your prayer is in your continual coming. Uh, And it's not that God doesn't have what it is that you need. It's just your persistence saying, I know this is where it's at, and I'm going to keep coming for what it is that I need. And so, God cares about what it is that we need, and he wants to supply that. And he said that he would over and over, ask and you will find. Um, And so, these things, asking, seeking, and knocking, they're the attitude of prayer. You're inquiring of God, you're seeking his answer, and you're persistently coming to him for your supply. So, God shows us that our prayer is never going to be in vain. When he says, ask, he says, you'll find. He says, knock, and it will be open. And so he gives us a sure expectation of seeking him for our needs. He's found by those that seek him. And when you seek him, there's everything that you need there. Um, And so let's go to Psalm 145. I think it's important to know who you're talking to when you're praying. And God wants us to pray, so we should know what can we expect. And we're going to look at, we're going to start with verse 8. So verse 8 says, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. Jump to verse 18. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He, will also, he also will hear their cry and will save them. And so this is so important because a lot of reluctant prayers feel like, oh, I'm just, I'm not right. I, I, can't, I can't really talk to God. But it's like this is who you're talking to, a God who is full of compassion. He's great of mercy. And that's why he goes on in Matthew 7 to, and calls himself our Father. There's a connection to our Father. There's, I don't go to my needs to somebody else's Father. I go to mine. Because I know that he's full of compassion. He's gracious and full of mercy. And so um, it's important to know when you feel reluctant that you're going to your Father. And he even mentioned how we connect to him as our Father. We come to him like children. Every child, it's natural to go to your dad and, I need this, and someone did this to me, and you go to your needs, your distress, even your celebration. And in the same manner, we're to come to God. And he would never tell us to pray and then refuse to hear us. Uh, That's just not who he is. Going back to Psalm 145, when you pray, you're going to get God's goodness because he can't be anything but good. And so also, prayer is necessary. So something that's necessary means that it is required to be done. It's essential. And so God says, 
when you pray, not if you pray. So we must do it. Uh, and the main reason for us to pray and why it's necessary is because it's necessary for us to operate into God's will. So we're going to go to Psalm 100. And I'll slow down a little bit. I think I'm going too fast. And we're going to look at verse 3. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. And so God is our creator, Elohim. He's created all things. And so for us to understand what our purpose is, we have to go back to the one who created us. He created us for an intended purpose. Just like we've been talking about in family life, there's an intended purpose for all of God's creation. And we have an intended purpose. But we won't know what that is unless we're told. And so uh, my natural example is I adore watching HGTV. And you notice they design these spaces and create these houses. And they walk people through the house and they tell them what they put here and why they put this here and how you can use it. Um, If somebody put one of those hot water kettle filler things above my stove I have no idea what to do with that unless somebody told me and so but they have the authority to do that to tell you how to use these things in your house because they put it there and so how much more does God have the authority to tell us our purpose and what we're meant to do in our lives because he created us he created everything so he gets to he gets to call the shots essentially And also in that, because we're the creation and not the creator, we lack wisdom. We don't know what it is we're supposed to do in all situations. And things come and completely blindside us, but nothing blindsides God. And so uh, James 1 and 5 says, if any of you lack wisdom, ask God. So we're going back to our beginning where you've, you've got to ask. And so, but he also, still in that verse, let's go to it. James 1, verse 5. It says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. So again, we're looking at asking. God tells us to ask for something, but he gives us, again, the sure expectation that it will be given to you. Um, So no reluctancy in prayer. Ask, and it's there. Um, So we lack the wisdom, and God gives it for all situations. And also, if we're not relying on God for wisdom in our everyday life, you're saying you're relying on your own strength. And if you're relying on your own strength, The sad thing is there's no ability to create godly change in our own strength. It's impossible. So the fruit of your life relying on yourself will become evident. We've all probably experienced it. It does not produce the righteousness of God. Now let's look at Luke 11.
And we're going to read verses 1 through 4. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, see that? You see, he said, When. When ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So here we're going to look at um, why we should pray and look at this verse, these verses in specific examples. So first, we pray because we worship God. And so, like I mentioned before, he is our creator. And to worship means that we're bowing down. It's always from the lesser us to the greater God. And so prayer in itself, because you're going to God and asking him for your needs, it's a sign of humility and you must be a worshiper. God is seeking worshipers in prayer who have the heart of a worshiper. So we're commanded to worship. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So worshiping God is a choice that you make despite your circumstances. Prayer is a choice you make despite your circumstances. So you communicate the surrender of your heart to God when you're praying. So an example of this is Daniel. Daniel in his prayer life, you can tell he committed his heart to understanding and to humble himself before God. And in Daniel chapter 10, I'm not going to take you there because... We're flipping a lot, I guess. Uh, Verse 12, it says, Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. What a powerful thing for God to say about you. You set your heart to understand the word of God, and your prayers were heard from that moment. Um, And so let us think about what kind of heart this worshiper has. So um, Psalm 51, 17 says, A broken and contrite heart God will not despise. And so this is the heart of a worshiper. A broken and contrite heart is broken over sin, but it's also pliable to the word of God, patient under the rod of God. It's a heart subdued and brought into obedience. And so pliable means easy to bend with or able to sustain weight without breaking. And so your heart contains your wills and your affections and your appetites. And a heart that turns towards God in worship, seeking him in prayer, turns his will, turns his affections and his appetites towards God. And this is what makes somebody pliable. It makes your heart pliable when you bend your will to God's will. And that's what the, the attitude of prayer from the beginning. When I get, when you go to your prayer room or whatever you do, 
It's a bending of your will, saying not only do I not have the supply that I need, but I also don't have the wisdom. I don't have the ability or the power or strength. So I'm going to bend myself around what it is that you desire. And so this is what's accepted by God. I think just flat out, this is what's accepted. If it's not that, it's not accepted. So a turning of the heart, it's from self to him. And so God reveals himself to this heart. Let us let we will go to Jeremiah 29 verse 13. And we're still talking about the heart of a worshipper because we pray because we worship. Verse 13 says And ye shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. There are those words again, seek and find. So we're seeking God in prayer. We're seeking for his answer to our prayers. And we're going to find it when we have the heart of a worshiper. And so in order to turn your heart to be uh, the heart of a worshiper, there are three seemingly simple things. So first, you have to immerse immerse yourself with the things of God so and the word of God, which involves coming into church and hearing the word. And so Proverbs 13 and 20, I have fallen in love with this verse because it's so simple and it's so true. But so is the whole Bible, right? Um, (laughs) I'll get there. Proverbs 13, verse 20 says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. And it's a caveat, I guess this is a little bit for younger people, but for all people. We come to church and, you know, we lift our hands and we praise God. And then the whole rest of the week, you're surrounding yourselves with fools. And... It's not, it, and then you produce things in your life that are contrary to the things that you know and you hear, but you're not reflecting on who it is that you're surrounded by. You're not surrounding yourself with people who will challenge you in the Word, who will push you to always go after God. And so that's the, the fruit of that, is destruction. And so we have to make sure that the heart of a worshiper, not only for those who, if you don't have a heart of a worshiper, but for those who want to preserve their heart as a worshiper, you have to surround yourself by the things of God, which involves the people of God and fellowshipping with the body. Also, once you immerse yourself with the things of God, you must also practice these things. And so Psalm 19, 119, verse 11 It says, Thy word I have hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. So practicing the word means you're practicing the truth. It has to stay fresh in you. And it's putting the word in you, not just in your mind, but you're putting it to use in your heart. And so when you're doing this, you're putting the word of God into your heart. Jesus is the word. You're cultivating your relationship with Christ. The more you practice the word, the more you study the word, the more it becomes your own. Um, And that leads you to application. Your application is your walking in the truth. So these things that you put into your heart, you see them manifest in your life. This 
looks like subduing your heart to obedience, which has a lot to do with sacrifice. Um, if you're practicing the truth and applying the truth, it'll, your sacrifice will be seen. It'll be seen that you're willing to give up all things for the pursuit of Christ. Um, I consider it, it's kind of weird, but I consider it having an open hand. Uh, when I am subduing my heart to obedience, I open my hand to Christ that whatever it is in my life that I have, I will never hold it too tight to where you cannot ask it of me. And so that's when we're applying the word, we're sacrificing, we're choosing Christ daily. We talked a lot about choice in the past, and it's so true. You have to wake up and choose Christ. Um, And also submit to correction. Um, What do you come here for if it's not for correction? So (laughs) we have to uh, submit to that correction and make the appropriate changes. And so this turning of our heart, Uh, To be hearts of worshipers, it's an intentional thing. And so just like Daniel, we have to purpose in our hearts to immerse ourselves with the word, to practice it, and to apply it. And this is the heart whose prayers are answered and heard by God, because this is the heart that God can use and move through. And so we pray because we're worshipers out of sincere hearts for him. The next part of this is we also pray... Because we want to be established in God's will. So Luke verse uh, 11 verse 2 says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And we're going to look deeper into that in Psalm 37. And when you're there, you can say amen. So Psalm 37, and we're going to read verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. And so when I looked up some definitions that were uh, in, this, in this verse, I came to the course of life for a good man is established by the Lord, and he takes pleasure in it. And so in prayer, we allow God to establish us in his will. So when prayer is sincere, we're acknowledging again that humility, that I cannot do this. And so in that, God is able to come in and establish his will in us. But we have to come to the realization that our will is not going to cut it. And so we rely on God to establish his will into us and speak into our lives. And it pleases the Lord for us to walk in what he designed us to walk in. This is all his purpose. It's all his will. And that's pleasing to the Lord. It's impossible for us to understand our purpose and what we're supposed to walk in and what God's will for us is for us apart from us communicating with him. He's going to show us what it is that we need to do. And just like in this ministry, we pray all the time for what is my part. God is going to reveal to you what your part is if you're seeking him in prayer. And also... My example for this is how Jesus did the will of the Father perfectly. He stayed connected to it in prayer. He would oftentimes separate himself so that he can pray and have that time with his God. So we stay connected to prayer through that. And so he, Jesus prayed for us, and we looked at John 17, and he prayed for us to stay in his will he, and for us... Um, 
and for us uh, like then. And he's, God is still delivering on that prayer now. And so I found it incredible in studying and looking at Jesus' prayer life that he prayed for us while he was here. And then he goes to the right hand of God and is interceding for us on our behalf. And if this isn't like a, oh my gosh, then I'm not sure what is. Because Jesus, perfect, powerful, wonderful creator, finds it needful or necessary to intercede on our behalf. So I had to ask why. Why? And so what I found was Jesus has, he understands spiritual warfare. He understands that we're constantly being accused by the accuser of the brethren, Satan. And he's always sitting there. Satan is always accusing. Jesus is always advocating. And so he has that understanding of what is happening. And so we also need to adopt this understanding. We have to be prayers. We have to. Because the spiritual warfare is so much greater. We look at things as they are. But we need to look at things in the spiritual realm. Because God, Jesus finds it necessary to still intercede. So we have to also find it necessary to fight with the appropriate weapons of our spiritual warfare. In order to do this, when we are praying, we have to know that in prayer, we are resisting the devil and his schemes. We're getting the power of God to put our flesh under and to live by his spirit. Um, We know that prayer is definitely a weapon that we use against the schemes of the devil. And so, um, in Luke 22, my verse for that is, we know when Jesus prays, let's go, Luke 22. And we're going to read verse 42. And this is when Jesus is, um, is praying. And he says, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And so this is, this is our heart also. You hear, not thy will, but not my will, but thy will be done. That's pliable. That's being bended to his will. Uh, but also, we get strength in prayer. That we cannot obtain by ourselves. And, it ha- and that's how we're staying connected to the will of God. We're established in it, but also when we know what God's will is for us, we can continue in his will through prayer, staying connected to it. Now we're going to see in Luke 11, verse 3, he says, Give us day by day our daily bread. And we're going to look at John chapter 6. So, so far, we know that we pray because we're worshipers. We pray because we want to be established in God's will and connected to God's will. And we also pray because we want access to God's provision and sufficiency. And so, give us day by day our daily bread. So, we're going to look and see what is daily bread. Uh, We're going to start in chapter 6, verse 32. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, 
Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. And so this is referring to an exodus when God uh, gave manna from heaven. And so God provided bread for Israel to sustain them in their hunger. But he's given us eternal bread. And so that daily bread is our daily provision given by God. Jesus is the bread. Jesus is found in the word of God. He is the word. And so somebody asked me, they said, well, do we have to pray every day? And I said, that's an excellent question. And so why does it say give us day by day our daily bread? And so why would we need the bread daily? God has provided for us all that we need in the word of God, all of the answers to life. And so, but we have to work. He gave the bread to Israel and they had to go out and get it. Just like they had to go out and gather, we have to seek the Lord in prayer. That's where his provision and his sufficiency are made accessible to us. Prayer is the work. We have to go out. Like I said, God can't be anything but good. So all that's coming down in the presence of God is all that you need for your job, for your family, for your personal life, all of those things. But the work is seeking him to go and get that provision. And so uh, the purpose of this is diligence in prayer. Like I mentioned earlier, the seeking. Diligently is it's an energetic effort. And so the purpose of diligence in daily prayer and the word of God is God is constantly providing his sufficiency and wisdom and everything. And if we don't seek him daily, we're going to miss some things. And the things that we sought God for in the past, the prayer I prayed last week, it's not going to sustain us. And so we cannot live off of old manna any more than Israel could. When they tried to hoard it and keep it and all that stuff, it rotted. It became useless. And so we have to seek God daily because our provision is day by day. Our needs are also met now. I can't leave here making you think it's all about you. Our needs are also met by the prayers of our brothers and our sisters in Christ. And so this is the the attitude that says when you're weak, in prayer, I got you. I'm praying for you. And my expectation is that when I'm weak and I need prayer, that you will be there for me. And so Paul shows us this because he constantly says, I never cease in my prayers to God for you. Um, And in Romans 15, he asks them to pray for him. He says, Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. And so this is a oneness that supplies the needs for each other. It says this is also why it's important uh, for our corporate prayer. We're praying for God's will to be done in the lives of others. Uh, Brother Martin mentioned it at prayer yesterday that when someone's coming to your mind, you pray for them. Uh, That's for a reason. We don't always know exactly 
exactly what it is that that person might need for God's will to be done, which is why it's important for us to pray for them in the Spirit also. And so you don't know their needs, but we're still relying on God to know what they are and to fulfill them for us. Um, So it's important for us to pray for our brothers and sisters. It's important for us to pray for our pastors, our ministers, our leaders, for our church, um, for God's will to continue to be established. And so also, it's important for us, when talking about praying in the Spirit, for us to be interceding on behalf of our brothers and sisters. Again, we don't know what they need, but we also don't know exactly where they missed it or where we've missed it. So we must be interceding for our brothers and sisters also. And this is all surrounded by the will of God. All of this, the purpose of it, the center of it is the will of God. And when the will of God is done in the lives of my brothers and sisters in Christ or or in the body, we all win. And so... um, I don't have too much time, but these things that I just mentioned, access to God's provision, provision and sufficiency, being established and connected in his will and worshiping God, these are crucial aspects of the believer's life. And these things found in prayer show how this is necessary for us to be doing. And so I use Paul as an example, Jesus as an example, and Daniel. And these are our examples because they access God's power through prayer. They made their petitions to God. He answered. They knocked and kept persisting in their prayer. They sought the Lord. And so these are righteous men who prayed continually aligned to God's will. The heart must be one turned to the righteousness of God, conformed to his image. The heart that loves what he loves, hates what he hates, and wants what he wants. And so God is about his glory, his kingdom, and his will. And that's what makes a believer who prays for those things with access to his power. And so to perfect a personal, personal prayer life, I have three things also. So we're going to go to 1 John 5 and 14. verse 14 says and this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will he heareth us so in order to perfect a personal prayer life I do have three things but the first thing I am going to say is just pray you just pray Uh, we know you ask God for what it is that you need so if you're confused on where to start just pray just start um And so my first point is to feed yourself with the will of God. And so this is because it's the language of God. He says that we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. So we want to be praying in a manner that God is going to hear. And so if you ask anything in Jesus' name, you'll receive it. And we know that means according to his will. And to pray his will, I have to know his will. And it's found in his word. Also... It's important to feed yourself with the will of God because our prayers are answered through the word of God. And so you have to open your heart and your ears to listen to God's response. 
It'll always be according to his will. A lot of times some people might say, you know, God told me in a prayer. If it don't, if it has nothing to do with this, according to his will, it wasn't that. <laughs> and, and so you have to study it. That's how you'll know um, if that's the answer to your prayer or not. The word that you hear and that you receive works alongside your prayers. Also, so that's feed yourself with the will of God. My next point comes from Matthew 21, verse 22. In verse 22 says, And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. So in order to perfect your personal prayer life, you need to have an expectation. It comes from knowing the will of God. And so God is going to move in your prayers. He desires to show himself strong in your life. And we have to be confident in one thing. God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than all we can ask or think. And so when we pray, we have to trust that his will is going to be done and he'll answer our prayers and move in lives above and beyond what we can imagine. So the lame man asked for alms and in Jesus' name he got healed. The woman at the well went for water, and but Jesus gave her the living water. So he does exceedingly above what it is that we expect and above what it is that we want. And so we have to have that expectation of him. His will, his desire for his will to be done is far greater than ours for his will to be done. You're praying for someone uh, who really needs salvation. He wants that salvation for that person even more. And like what a wonderful, amazing father that is. Who anything that I want that's according to his will, he wants it that much more. So I don't have to worry about things because he wants it even more. And also, so my last point for perfecting a personal prayer life is to endure. So we're going to go to Luke 18 and read just a little bit. So, verse 1, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought to always pray and not to faint. I could just stop there, but we're going to keep going. Saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith, and shall not God avenge his own elect? Let me go back to verse 7. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? So you cannot rush God. When you're enduring, his timing is always perfect. We think, we need this right now. I'm not going to survive without it. 
But His timing is perfect. Your job is to pray and to keep praying and to knock and to keep praying and to keep seeking. And so uh, His ears are always open to the righteous. So don't stop praying just because you don't think you have your answer. And don't stop praying just because you think you haven't received. God is going to keep moving until His will is accomplished. And endurance builds our faith. So we have to continue in prayer. Faint means to fail in heart, to be wearied out, to lose courage. We're banking on the things that are unseen. So don't be discouraged by circumstances. God's power and his promises are going to prevail. The woman that we just read about, she kept seeking for a reason. She had an expectation. It kept her coming. To endure means to remain, to abide, to persevere, to hold fast to one's faith in Christ. To bear bravely and calmly. When we know the will of God, expect it to come to pass, and hold fast to our faith in Christ, we will not be discouraged from prayer. And we can continue to approach our Father with confidence. And so, why should we pray? My answer is, to not pray is to rely on carnal weapons in a spiritual fight. You're going to lose. I'll say it again. To pray, to not pray is to rely on carnal weapons in a spiritual fight. You're going to lose. And so this is why Satan wants to lead us away with distractions. He wants to keep us from the only one who has defeated him. The source of our power. It's so important to examine our hearts to identify the things that distract us. Our prayer is intentional. And so we have to intentionally get rid of the distractions that keep us from seeking God. Daniel did the same thing. He was presented with the indulgences of the world. Yet he chose and purposed in his heart to continue in what would keep him close to God. And so we have to deliberately step away from everything and just to be alone with God. It's there that you're going to receive strength against the enemy and wisdom for your life. And if you still don't believe me, think about Jesus. He did it. Just because he couldn't watch TV doesn't mean that he wasn't, didn't have distractions. Think if you were able to heal diseases, all the people who would be in your ear all day. He still had distractions, and he still purposed to be alone with his father. And so it's a choice. And so the right choice to pray is made by those who choose daily to feed themselves with the will of God, have an expectation of his will, and to endure. And God will definitely move, and that power will be brought from heaven to earth. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.